0: P-U-X-World P-U-X-World Branding with the big faces I love listening to
1: it Kane Sims
0: Kane Sims Kane Sims, the one and only Britain's finest, Mr. Kane Sims Dustin 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 Coates I like it when you guys
1: are together and talking about voice Without further ado, welcome to the show It worked. Kind of. Ish. Did it work? I don't think you can see me, so something hasn't quite worked, but we're live. I know you can hear me. Uh, Let's have a look. Why can't you see me? There we go. Hey hey hey, there we are, we're sorted, we're live. Hello everybody and welcome to VOX World Live. I am Ken Sims, your host, and I'm usually joined by Dustin Coates, uh, who is now on paternity leave still, looking after a baby, trying to get some sleep and trying to figure out the whole joy of parenting, which our guest James Porter today will tell you all about. As well as I can actually vouch for some of that as well, having a, a, a two-year-old now, and I've just been talking there about how much of a nightmare he's been. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into that. Uh, among other things, including e commerce, uh, which we'll get to very shortly. But first, shout out to the Conversation Design Institute uh, for sponsoring this episode of VUX World. If you are looking to be a conversation designer, you want to learn about conversation design, maybe you're a UX designer, you've kind of got that methodology, you've got some skills, you want to learn how conversation design works, then definitely check out the Conversation Design Institute. The courses that they have is all online. You can learn at your own pace. It's videos taught by Hans Van Damme, what a name that is as well by the way Uh, and uh, yeah learn at your own pace, it is literally, it will take you from beginning to end from uh, what is conversation design right the way through to turning you into a conversation design practitioner. Uh, It is the best online course out there, honestly, that I've seen and I'm not just saying that because they're paying me to say that I'm saying that because I've done the vast majority of them, if not all of them, and this without a shadow of a doubt is the best one. So, if you are interested in learning the ins and outs of conversation design check out the Conversation Design Institute and VUX World listeners will save 20 percent if you use the promo code in the show notes and on the website when this podcast is published on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, so anyway, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I would like to introduce our guest today, Mr. James Poulter. James, welcome.
0: Hi mate! How do? You? <laughs> nice to see you. Nice to see you. And nice to see everyone as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for having us on. Um, it's nice to see you outside the context of another Zoom meeting. So yeah, it always, is. Always it happy.
1: is. But still in my bedroom where I've been for the last uh, for the last ten months or so. Um, it's where I've seen
0: you most. Days of the week for six months plus. Indeed, so, indeed. This yes, is this I've is not gone anywhere else.
1: This is how I do
0: my thing these
1: days. Um, but, yeah, it's nice to have you back on the show. I mean, you were first on the show um, a, while a while ago.
0: ago. <laughs> I'm about 12 months ago. I can't yet, remember I when it
1: was. It was a while back, yeah. Um, and I think it was around about episode 50 or so. I don't know what we're up to now. I don't really count them. But um, you are on the Wall of Fame here. I don't
0: know if you can um, see yeah, that. Yeah, in the middle there somewhere. Yeah. My copy of the poster since we left uh, the physical office has been rolled up and put somewhere, so... It's in, it's in the cupboard. It's going to be a collector's item one day, it that. It's, it's going
1: gonna, gonna to be a collector's item one day, that, because uh, I got a oh, load absolutely. of them printed and uh, yeah. I've only handed out about 10 or 15 or something like that. And so there's a load yeah, under I'm, my bed.
0: I'm, for, I'm more waiting for the baseball cap to arrive. I'm sure it's yeah. in the post. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure, but, I'm like, sure like, it the is. Baseball, yeah. The T hats are,
1: I think, abusive. <laughs> they are. They are. Frank Schneider was tuning into one of the broadcasters a few weeks ago and uh, he actually cracked me up. He said, Nice lid, cane.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. nice lid nice
1: lid right. I love that yeah. that's what I'm going to say I do love on. that
0: shop in the US lids it's a great hat store, is it? There's, uh, there's one in New York in Times Square, um, which I've bought several hats from over the years. So um, I very much encourage you uh, go get a new lid. Yeah, get uh, a UX lid. Do That's that the one. Do that. That's what you need.
1: <laughs> I'd never heard the term lid before. I thought it was quite good. I actually burst out laughing while I was uh, <laughs> while I was in the middle of this, which is cool. But anyway, welcome, 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 um, and thank you everyone for tuning in. We're going to be talking about voice commerce today and the Vixen Labs Voice Commerce Report, which was published recently. And I've already heard quite a few people quote it to be fair the standout stat is the 40% of parents shopping on their devices which I will probably start out with that maybe in a minute Um, and if you have any questions boys and girls uh, on the chat in LinkedIn or YouTube please do feel free to stick them in there and James I'm sure will do his best to answer them Um, but first James for anyone who's tuning in who isn't aware of yourself isn't aware of Vixen Labs do you want to tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do?
0: yeah so um for those that know me i'm jane polter most people call me jp you feel free to do that and um i'm the ceo and one of the co-founders of vixen labs uh, with jen heap who's my co-conspirator um, in our our growing voice empire um i've been running uh, the business now for nearly two years um, and we're one of europe's leading voice uh, consultancies and design studios it's all focused on making more human technology uh, with voice and we work with global clients uh, mostly in kind of the Fortune 500 FTSE 500 type realms to to really help them get to grips with voices and technology uh, from strategy and design um, working with with a great team of folks um, including Mr. Sims, in in projects and uh, working across the the board of designing and developing voice applications for Google Assistant and Alexa which were premier partners to to both Um, and then we do an awful lot of work in the world of voice marketing as well helping people find the world of voice um, through, through marketing assets. And my background comes from, I suppose, working in a variety of digital uh, fields over the years from, uh, first of all, in social media for many years, and then kind of more broad digital technologies. Um, and then I got the opportunity to work at Lego for a number of years, which we spoke about the last time uh, we were together on the show, uh, you know, working through emerging technologies. So I headed up the global emerging uh, technologies uh, division there, looking at, you know, Conversational AI, looking at blockchain, looking at um, chatbots, and, and many other things uh, besides. And as a result, got to work on a number of voice projects that have now uh, resulted in in the the, uh, the business that we have today in, in the form of Vixen Labs, which is uh, yeah, kind of growing with uh, with uh, crazy speed, which is really exciting and a little bit scary. Um, as you know, people around the world are waking up to the opportunity that voice voice provides.
1: Nice. Uh, I remember the last the last time we spoke on the podcast was uh, we were talking about the Lego skill. And I even remember, actually, I think I included the music from the skill in the uh, in the podcast because it had quite a nice little
0: soundtrack to it. It's got a nice little jingle to that. That show. Yeah. I mean, it's a great project. The G player skill that we worked on um, Yeah, when I was still part of the team there. Um, and that was, I suppose, the most uh, yeah the thing that really kind of catapulted my thoughts around this kind of world of like voice as a, a complement to other channels you know whether that's physical play or digital play but that you know voice can really add to that experience and um, you know, we had a lot of fun building that and then, you know since then in, in the Vixen world we've had a chance to do other things in the kids space for brands like Lysol in the US you know, kind of creating interactive stories to help people wash their hands through to you know, quizzes and games and uh, and many other kind of more utility based things since so it's been a lot of fun to kind of see how far we've come, you know, in that space. I remember, you know, when we first started coming up with those ideas back in the early part of 2017 for Lego, you know, that was you know, a hackathon with like 15 people from our team at Lego, plus a couple, handful of folks from Amazon, really trying to work out what it, what it was to do with voice with you know, the original tall boy, uh, slim echoes you know, <laughs> long for the, the, the little bubbles that we've got now. Um, so yeah, uh, Samuel, I see your comment on LinkedIn. yes, Lego is in everything is awesome. Lego. Uh, I have nothing to do with the song. Um, but yeah, that, uh, that Lego, uh, the one that you've probably stood on in the middle of the night at some point or other. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, it's come a long way since then. Um, but it was a great opportunity to, to be involved with it.
1: Nice, and I, I was um, I was asked this question today. Uh, I was chatting to a university doing a bit of research into voice and, and the future of voice and things like that, and I was asked this question, which I have been asked quite a few times in the past, but I don't think I've been asked it since COVID. And I'd be interested in getting your mm. response to this, which is thinking about when, like. I know, obviously, voice technologies have been around since you know the '30s with Audrey and, and things like that. Yeah. In in recent times, with Amazon Alexa, Google Assistant, the kind of more what we would probably call mainstream voice assistants, um, and we've both been involved in this stuff for for quite a number of year number of years now. Like, not necessarily old hat, but you know, there's a lot of lot of kind of newcomers into this space who have been coming in and, and doing things over the last kind of eighteen months. The question I was asked was compared to even three years ago or four years ago when, when you first started sort of looking at this sort of stuff, how would you describe it now from a from a brand perspective in terms of how brands are thinking about it and approaching it? How are things now compared to 2017?
0: Well, I think when we first started looking at it in 2017, I think there was a lot of novelty value around it. That was what people were really going for. It was this novel thing, the fact that a computer could talk back to you and have an answer really crossed that chasm quite significantly now it's an expectation that these things can talk back to us so we're no longer like startled by the fact that it understood what we said or came back with an answer that was remotely related to what we asked it so i think we're definitely past that point i think where we're at now with businesses is you know we come to the close of what has been a mad year with covid and um you know kind of 2020 and all of its craziness, and as we look to the new year, is that 2021, I think, is the time when we go from kind of novelty to necessity. Uh, We started with novelty because it was a fun, quirky and interesting thing, but it was never going to be a critical business uh, driver. Now we're into necessity because actually we're seeing such significant volumes of people using these devices to get things done that it becomes something that really is a brand or a business we can't really ignore anymore. You know, when you mentioned the quote from the, the commerce report you know, 40% of users are making purchases with voice. And particularly the categories of people doing that now are, you know, really significantly household, you know, kind of money, you know, managers, you know, the the, the family uh, heads of families in these organisations, and and uh, the ones that are making these purchases, parents leading the way and so you know any other technology if you said 40% of users are potentially doing this and 70% of them are asking questions about your brand this way and the fact that most businesses still don't really have a handle on what those answers are that to me screams out that it's a necessary thing for you to get a handle on so I think as we move away from just thinking about the novelty of voice apps we're seeing a lot more focus on search a lot more focus on optimizing content that's already on the web to be found and discovered via an assistant Um, that as that expectation that we can talk to technology comes out, um, that we should also expect that these under assistance from brands and businesses begin to become much more prevalent because we expect a business to have a way of us engaging in this way.
1: Nice. Um, we're going to, I also, the use cases I think have changed as well in terms of, yeah. you know, 2017 was very, you mentioned novelty. A lot of the use cases were novel, you know, fart jokes and, and uh, dad dog jokes, sounds. And dog sounds. Yeah. yeah. Um, still, fart skills, still one of the most popular skills today, to be honest, which is crazy. But, uh, Worrying, but true. <laughs> um, so you've kind of hinted at the voice, at the voice commerce report there, and we'll get into that in a second. But for context, Tell a little bit, a little bit of about like what the voice commerce report is, and also I'd be interested in in why Vixen Labs did it. So we've seen a few, vo- we've seen a few reports come out. You know, we know that Voicebot po- publish things all the time. We've seen one recently by uh, Voxley Digital, which is another agency in London. Um, and th- th- so, th- so there's a trend maybe moving towards kind of like consultancies, agencies, kind of you know investing in in these kind of reports. What was the motivation behind the report? And then what is the actual? Uh, what was the report? What What's the study all about?
0: yeah so i think why we did it was because i was particularly intrigued to understand uh, first on a uk basis where voice is today um and beyond just devices you know you can read all the stats you mentioned from Voicebot and team over there that do a great job tracking kind of device sales and sat, uh, you know, kind of platform differences all that's helpful but doesn't actually really tell us an awful lot about what consumers are doing and also what their intentions are to do in the future. It's all very much based on the here and the now. And so what the commerce report sets out to do is to try and look at how voice might drive the wheels of business in the future. You know, commerce, it's not just buying things, although that's obviously a significant portion of it, but it's that whole journey from discovery to decision to to making that purchase and then to loyalty and beyond and, and that wrap around uh, thinking on, on uh, commerce is, is what we try to look at it's, you know the consumers of today what are they doing now and what's the expectation of the future so we wanted to invest in that mostly because we've got clients across you know a wide variety of sectors from food to banking to um, consumer goods in, in in the retail sector and in the entertainment and uh, and gaming play uh, sectors where we weren't able to tell them well what a- people saying they want to do in the future. And and for many other businesses, we wanted that to be out there as well. So that's why we invested in doing this the first time around. And we're now moving to um, bring this report to be international and to make it much more broadly available through our partners at the Open Voice Network in the new year. So uh, we'll be looking to expand out and make it available for multiple markets. But for now, it was a snapshot of what's going on in the UK, kind of as an indicator of what the rest of the world might be up to.
1: Nice. I like. I like. I like that concept because you know I, I like the concept of a, of a rising tide raises all ships. In terms of if everyone's doing good, then the industry does good. If the industry does good, everyone everyone's happy. And I think that when we see reports yeah. like this. It, they They do the rounds, you know everyone uses them, everyone looks to them, and it's nice to have a, a an updated view on on realistically where are things at you know like and you mentioned voicebot and voicebot's fantastic for for the reports that it does and things like that, but for a long time there was there was zero. In the UK, it was really difficult to yeah. to find any information out about the UK, and um, and that makes it difficult because it's 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 not only from for from a client's perspective in terms of wanting to show clients and potential clients and potential businesses that want to invest in this technology where things are at right now. It's also as a community, as an industry, it's in our That's interest right. to know what's going on. You know what I mean? So I think it's a fantastic idea. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, specifically that the more people um, yeah, kind of understand what's going on, the more compelling use cases that we can make to different businesses and brands for them to level up the the content that's available via these voice devices. Cause I think we often lay a lot of the blame at the the door of Amazon or Google to fix this problem. And I actually don't think that's true. I think that a large p- point of this, you know, we, we saw in the stats one of the main barriers for people using voice devices, they think not accurate enough. The accuracy isn't down to the AI, the accuracy is down to the information and the people that come up with that information are the brands and the businesses that publish it and if they're not optimizing those answers to be found um, you know, by, by these assistants then of course those answers are going to be inaccurate so you know, for us I think the, the reason we put this stuff out into the world and people can go get it free I'll just give everyone the um, the URL if you want to go grab a copy of it it's co slash vcr if you want to go get the report you'll see yourself that you know, this is something we can use with all clients from all businesses to try and get people to invest more um, in the world of voice, because we don't want uh, you know this to just be an issue for us. Um, yeah, you know, this is an issue for anyone that's working in any brand or business to try and improve uh, their their overall um, you know experience of of voice assistance. Yeah, you know, the, the better that we get at optimizing web results, optimizing content, building conversational actions, the better the experience for users is going to be when they use these assistants. Ultimately, we'll build the industry, and that's uh, definitely what we want to try and do. Nice.
1: So. So this report then, it's looking at UK households and it's trying to gauge the temperature of where the appetite is and current behaviour is for transacting or for shopping using voice technologies, correct? Correct.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think we we looked across the board, so not just at the purchasing. Obviously, purchasing is important, but I think many of us acknowledge that you know because of the limitations of the platforms, particularly for um, you know the the big assistant platforms like Alexa, you know, which are much more oriented to shopping from from Amazon primarily. Uh, you know, the, the majority of people aren't necessarily buying everything that they want to buy or uh, using every service, but what people are doing is using their voices as part of the shopping journey at some point. So we saw in the, in the research that 70% of users are searching for information about specific brands. Um, and that's really important. It's not just these general get me the answer to a question. People are asking about specific brands and businesses like, you know, what, what's available at my local restaurant today, insert a restaurant name here, or you know, kind of does my bank do this? Um, you know, specific questions and because of that yeah you know, that comes back to this point about it's on brands and businesses to make sure that information is discoverable optimized and it's good quality it's not just a snippet that's been ripped from somewhere else on the web or you're not relying upon an unoptimized video or something like that to try and serve that answer we need to be designing conversational responses for these conversational interfaces in the same way that you know for many um, you know hey there's there's plenty of brands and businesses out there that still haven't got around to making dynamic web apps or you know kind of optimizing their mobile pages to be actually usable on the on the mobile web um, but those are the ones that are missing out, not the ones that are leading the way. And I think the same thing is now true of, uh, of voice is that we can't just wait for the rest of the world to catch up, you know, if we're going to lead the way and we have to start optimizing the web to be found because people are asking these questions. Um, uh, if I was a brand owner, I'd want to be able to answer them.
1: Hmm. Another interesting thing I found was was that you you think when you see Amazon release the Echo Auto and you see, you know, headphones like Bose headphones coming out with with Amazon Alexa enabled and
0: yeah you God, know, I've got some here
1: oh <laughs> yeah what are
0: they like these the Bose 700s yeah, what, what, in terms of what's it? Alexa like working in the so, yeah I mean Alexa is is pretty much as good as you would expect on a smart speaker I mean it does nearly all of the things that you would imagine um that an audio only uh, interface with Alexa does um and to your point, you know, we're seeing more and more headphone manufacturers go this route because the microphone quality, yeah, you know, if you're at the high end, is so good and the noise cancellation is so good that you know, I can walk the street and use Alexa to activate BBC Sounds or get my you know, kind of weather information or you know, kind of check my account details or, or all those kind of things um, out in the world now. So mm. I think we're definitely seeing that in, in the headphone space. Yeah,
1: because mm. what I was thinking is um, I use I use my well predominantly. AirPods and Siri um, and then in the car I got an Echo Auto purely just for testing purposes to be honest but it's it is actually all right it's a bit frustrating sometimes if you're on the motorway because it doesn't really hear you because of the noise and stuff like that so maybe it's the, the mics need a little bit of work and whatnot but broadly speaking I think that it's what's interesting is it does give rise for new use cases because you use it slightly differently however my kind of question was always like how long is it going to take for these kind of devices for this whole concept of Alexa everywhere or voice everywhere or ambient computing like how long is that going to take? to it, for it actually to materialise. And I think what I found interesting in, in here is that in this report from, from the Vixen Labs Voice Commerce report is saying that 40% of users are using voice in headphones or in cars. So arguably, that kind of adoption of voice on the move is already happening.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I think most people would recognise that, yeah, I mean... Okay, the, the life cycle of cars, we're going through something specific in the UK right now with a lot of regulation coming in, forcing people to think about upgrading to clean the vehicles particularly um, you know, now the government declaring they, they want to end the sale of new petrol and diesel cars by 2030 and we've got the new LEV which is the ultra low emission zone coming into place in London um, as of uh, next October which will cover a larger degree of London where diesel vehicles will kind of be un- unable to really sustainably be run. So it's driving a lot of new car adoption but even if you go back three to five years now, most cars have had CarPlay or Android Auto available in them. I've just bought an old Land Rover, but I've been able to go out and buy a head unit. And you can't—you basically can't go buy a screen-based head unit now that doesn't have one of those assistants in it. A number of the ones that I could have bought had Alexa directly integrated into it as well if I'd wanted. So um, having also got an Echo Auto, I, I didn't go down that route. I've got an Echo Auto and now CarPlay in both of my cars. And, and that's, I think, becoming very common. You know, we, if you look into the US you know, one of the biggest producers of new cars, you know, 90% of new car sales in the US have a... Uh, a voice interface built into them, either featuring one of those manufacturers I mentioned or their owned assistant from the likes of Mercedes and BMW. I know you've spoken to those guys before. So yeah. Yeah, this is a, a big move, particularly in automotive. And basically, you can't buy a, a pair of new head say uh, a new pair of Bluetooth headphones above the fifty dollar mark that doesn't have assistance already built into it, either actively the assistant on your phone or natively in in the headphones, like the like Alexa on the Bose devices or Jabra or others. So. You know, just by the sheer refresh cycle of people buying these devices, voice is going to be there. Um, And, you know, from the data that we have, you mentioned 45% of people using it in the car, 42% of people using it on headphones, um, and a very high proportion of people using it on their phones directly. Just, you know, it tells me that this is going to become an expectation rather than just a nice to have over time.
1: Interesting. So, Andy Andy Munsey is asking, uh, when is IoT and voice getting together with RFID stickers? (laughs) <laughs>
0: That's a good question, Andy. I wish I had the direct answer to that. <laughs> I think you know, we're, we're waiting to see kind of how far and wide iOS um, 14 you know, kind of drives the adoption of things like the app slices, which is one of the really interesting ideas coming out of Apple um, at the moment. These kind of micro, very easy to activate, almost download free versions of the apps. And those do have the ability to integrate with SiriKit. So you can start doing things like Siri Shortcuts begin to be pairing up with those RFID stickers. Um, so I think that's probably where we're going to first begin to see it. We've not seen an awful lot of movement from the Google side, but yeah, you know, slices and app actions already beginning to allow us to deep link into our phones. And then I suppose you can pair that with um, other actions that you might then carry out on an RFID. I can imagine being able to walk into a supermarket, for example, and you know, say, add this to my Waitrose basket here in the UK. And then if I want more information, go tap my phone to transact, for example, an RFID sticker. Those are you know, workflows and user experiences which i think we should begin to expect to see i was even in my local coffee shop today where i could have paid with you know kind of my my phone and they had an rfid sticker in the window just to do my points and loyalty card collection so you know we're beginning to see that not just in big that was an independent coffee shop right it's not in a big mm. retail chain. so we're going to see more and more of that integration mm.
1: and how how much of this um how much of this kind of stuff do you think is down to you, you mentioned earlier on you know in around discoverability and, and we touched on it briefly and i know we've spoke about it before around you know it's not up to the big kind of companies to help you get traffic to your skills and stuff like that it's kind of up to the brand yeah. to go out and, and to do their own work as you would do with any other form of media or any other kind of um digital property um and so when it comes to things like RFID, things like, you know, um, things that, that are either bridging the physical and digital world or in generally, you know, kind of like increasing the adoption of or, or converging all of these technologies together, how much of that do you think will be driven by brands who... Kind of take it upon themselves to kind of push the boundaries a little bit and to implement things like that. Versus uh, enablement by your likes of Google and 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 Amazon Alexa. Do you think it's more going to be driven by those, or do you think it's going to be more driven by the brands implementing?
0: I think I think it has to be a collaboration between the two for sure I mean you know certainly the big brands in terms of driving to specific experiences that needs to come from the brand I think you know it's such a competitive market out there we cannot anticipate that Amazon and Google over time are going to be able to support the demonstration of and support the promotion of every you know use case that's out there yeah and nor should they in the same way that we don't expect iOS you know or Android to do that now uh, for mobile yeah you know, over time as this market mature you're going to see more and more reliance upon the big brands to drive attraction to their um, their applications I think the thing that often though people fall down on is trying to think that somehow that they have to try and replicate everything that's going on in their mobile experience over into their voice experience and that's just not the case that the point that it should be is that brands now can see that they can do slightly different things maybe yeah, complementary things to their existing experiences and if that's the case you've got a lot of endpoints and a lot of touch points for your consumer that you should be thinking well I'm going to make use of voice in this scenario as well. You know, things like I mentioned Siri shortcuts and app, app actions. They're ways of making your, your voice app uh, you know integrate with your mobile app and make those two things work together seamlessly for a consumer, make things easier to do. Um, those are you know, really obvious things and that and brands are obviously the ones that need to drive that integration. I think that the the big platforms still have a job to do um, in organising the way in which we discover apps and, and skills. I think there's so much more latent opportunity on the on-screen devices than we've seen today. I'm encouraged by what um, I'm just looking at my my Nest home in front of me and the way in which Google started to be, you know, kind of change the layout of these screens where I've got you know, kind of much quicker access to different functionality um, right there on the home screen without having to think of all the different prompts. You know myself you know, being able to jump into home controls or communications. And there's even the discover tab now where I can kind of go and see the you know, kind of other questions I could be asking or jump in and play a game. You know, when that stuff's front and center on a screen and you can shout it out across the, across the room, you're going to start using those things more often just naturally. Um, but so th- I think there there are moves there. Um, but I think it's, it's still very much that on, if you're a brand building something today, like, why spend, yeah, kind of tens of thousands of dollars or pounds making something and then not spend any money telling them that it exists? It just doesn't make sense.
1: <laughs> what, what's it? I'd be interested to see whether there's anything on uh, on this. One. I'm just going to look at my phone. I'm interested in seeing if there's anything on the voice report about, um, the commerce report rather, about that kind of device adoption. Because one of the things I found, you'd mentioned Google and screens and how screens can help and things like that. And I think that one of the examples I found uh, yesterday, just while I was um, just doing some testing yesterday evening, and I found that uh, if I ask, for example, how do I make mac and cheese? Let's talk to, how do I make mac and cheese?
0: Here are some recipes
1: I found. Right, so you see the results here? Yeah,
0: you've got some recipes. So I've got some recipe results
1: just in a list, but can you see what that says?
0: Yeah, that is the send to the smart display. Send to smart thing, right? display. Yeah, so I've tried gone, that a couple of times.
1: Yeah, send to smart display and see what happens. Just say start recipe to your Google Home when you're ready to begin. Okay, so let's see the if this works. Back on. Hey, Google, start recipe. Here some can like you see that? that? It's a bit, it's a bit stretched, but It's a mac and cheese recipe, basically. It's mac and cheese. Yeah, so, no,
0: I've used that function a couple of times, it's, it just goes to show you that link between the mobile discovery experience, but completing something on a screen. I think it goes both ways. Is that yeah? We see a lot of people adding stuff to basket but transacting on their mobile, but they start that journey with their smart screen. And then the other way around, like you've just done. You're maybe out and about, and you're thinking, "What am I going to have for dinner tonight?" I'm going to add this recipe now, but I'm not cooking it right now. But I'm going to go home and use my voice to find and finish that journey at, at home. You know, it works both ways around, doesn't it? Mm-hmm.
1: Exactly. And and I think that with Google, that they're in a fantastic position to to really kind of push this envelope a little bit uh, when it comes to that Ooh. kind of multimodal uh, implementations. Is there anything in in the the commerce report about? device adoption or assistant adoption or any kind of things like that i know it says eight and ten people are using siri and six and ten yes. in google assistant was there anything else in terms of like either devices in houses and things like that any other insights in terms of what people are using assistant wise
0: um, I think well, one of the highlights or one of the interesting things I would, I would pull out from the, the findings is that when we look at the difference between people who use Alexa and use Google Assistant every day, so these are the heaviest users, there's only about 5% in it. Alexa slightly leading on, on the Google Assistant side of things. Um, maybe uh, if you want to go full screen I can uh, for those watching uh, on the video version of this chat, I can, uh, mm. I can share with you uh, what the, this looks yeah, like. Cool but, right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, we see that there's kind of quite a of people are... um using their their Alexa every day whereas 25 percent of Google assistant now you, know, you go well what's what's interesting about that well what I find interesting about this is that regardless of the platform this is becoming habitual for a large amount of people that use their devices so if you're talking about smart speaker owners we're talking from our survey that it was, you, know, you could roughly look at about one in four to one in um, three families have a, a smart speaker in the UK based upon this so 25 you know, percent of of the population and of those nearly a third of them across whatever platform are using it every single day and that's really I I think that's really encouraging because what we are seeing in that is it's not um, just one of those things where people buy these things and basically they end up living in the corner and they get dusty and forget about them like a Fitbit or a smartwatch or something they might have bought and then never remember to put back on, you know, a significant proportion of these every day, you then go down the categories and you've got massive numbers of people using them at least once a week or, you know, more, more occasionally than that. So these are devices that people have at home that they're regularly talking to. And these are just the smart speakers, let alone the amount of people that are um, using their, their voice on the devices. Um, the other stat that really struck out to me was the percentage of young people that are using voice on their mobile. Uh, you know, that is really quite significantly higher than um, I think any of us could have uh, um, imagined. Uh, if I find the right number here, it was yeah, so ninety-four percent of eighteen to twenty-four year olds saying that they use Siri regularly so you know that's a, a really high percentage so you think about that many apple device users who tend to be the early adopter leader category and spending more money on higher price devices their expectation is going to be that their phones you know have a uh, communication via voice and we know that that trains people to use voice across all of categories so i think um, i'm encouraged by the way in which the device stats are going but I don't think devices are our problem. But very quickly, seeing devices with voice get into every um, you know kind of part of our households. We've got four and ten people controlling their TVs already with their voice. Um, new TV cycles, boosted by new console generations, are going to drive that in terms of gaming. All the gaming consoles also have voice control built into them. You know, I can go control my PS5 with with voice uh, from you know now. Um, and even like Amazon today, they've just made the Echo Frames, their glasses, go into. Generation general availability, some new styles. Bose are currently um, discounting their next version of those glasses um, on Black Friday. Um, So, yeah, I think we're going to just see voice devices proliferate everywhere. And from what we're seeing, the adoption is is there. Um, Whether it's people... You know, as I said at the beginning, whether that means that people end up buying loads of stuff via them, I don't know. I, I think that we see a, you know, a trend towards that and certainly with certain categories like food delivery and, and, um, and restaurants, um, as well as also um, retail in terms of just buying consumer goods there's definitely a percentage of people that are going to do that. Other types of categories we'll wait and see, but I think we, what we definitely know is that people are going to use these devices to search for the information that they need about businesses and brands. And that's why it's so crucial that everyone gets on top of it. Mm.
1: It's interesting that the observation around the device proliferation, you know, everything everything having a voice interface from from the new consoles to headphones to everything in between. And yeah. you know, the the criticism that Amazon got, not criticism but it was kind of like a little bit of cynicism around around amazon's device launches last year or whenever it was when they released like watches and not watches but clocks and microwaves and earbuds and rings and glasses and all this kind of stuff um almost as if you know seeing whether i think the the, the quote the quote that i've heard people say is throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks um and because (laughs) because it's it's um now becoming incredibly uh, easy and cheaper to put voice interfaces into uh, physical. Uh, objects yeah. what are your thoughts in terms of where that's going do you think it's just going to continue to proliferate and therefore there's going to be more and more and more and more voice interfaces around us whether that's Alexa or Google Assistant or what have you and therefore the op- adoption increases and therefore the um, opportunities there for brands increases or do you think that we're going to see an expansion and then things find their feet and then start to contract and then we'll be left with what we use what was your thoughts in terms of the, the device proliferation yeah,
0: I mean, um- <laughs> For a number of years, uh, whenever like Sonos releases a new set of speakers, the guys over on the Verge podcast, which um, I yeah, love listening to, uh, they always talk about the, the Sonos problem. Is that you know, whilst Sonos keeps on releasing more and more speakers, we don't all get more and more rooms in our houses to <laughs> put them. <laughs> that's definitely a problem. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sat here. I mean, I, okay, we're enthusiasts, right? Yeah, you and I, we, we're in a very speci- special class of people at this point. But I'm sat in this room, with, like. One, two, three. I've got three speakers in this room.
1: Yeah,
0: um, that can do this in the in my bedroom. There are three. Like uh, in my living room, there are four. <laughs> like it, it, there's only so many things we can put these things into until in we move to smart home being built with it, and built into the infrastructure. And I think that's the direction of travel. Actually, mm. is that as things get cheaper and as things get more like. Um, you know, kind of proliferate across all different categories. You're not going to be buying speakers anymore. You're not going to be buying these devices. They will just be in the infrastructure of, of the built environment. Um, so, you know, you'll be able to buy houses in the future that have Sonos integrated already into them. You'll be able to buy, um, you know, you'll be able to choose which assistant powers your smart home when you buy your home. Why would you wait until after the fact to plug all of it in and have cables dragging everywhere? Like, you know, the way in which we're doing it right now is adding it to old infrastructure. The future will be new infrastructure with it built in from from the get-go. And at that point, then it really becomes about interoperability between the the assistants and what type of assistant you want running the majority of your life. I mean, not just the IoT in your house, which obviously is you know, kind of an important thing, um, but you know very much so, like, what systems do you want to tap into with your data? How, how are you going to manage multiple different users in that home, listening to different voices? And that's what we're going to have to consolidate around, because it's not just around consolidating around the devices, it's consolidating around the assistants that we choose to interact with. That's what we need to uh, kind of get a better handle on and until we do, we're probably not going to know um, how the market is going to play out. I think that you know we are heading towards a future where we will all live with probably multiple voice assistants with us, um, unless Apple drastically changed the game with the way in which the HomePod is going, because they're certainly the ones that are winning the kind of the, the main device that we all live with every day. Game in, in terms of you know the, these things, um, phones. Until um, we kind of work that through and see whether or not you know HomePod Mini can perhaps uh, penetrate the market more significantly, you know, kind of the, the HomeKit uh, IoT devices maybe get a little bit easier to work with, um, those probably are going to be defining factors in, in how we end up seeing the market consolidate. Mm.
1: And the thing about Apple is that, um, I, I've mentioned this a number of times, uh, is that in the, with the HomePod Mini, they have a massive opportunity because you yeah. know the, they they had a patent accepted in I think it was April, which is all around, and we spoke about this in the podcast, and I'd mentioned it when I chatted to Brett on VoiceBot last week. Which is that you the, the patent is that when when you so the HomePod you've got there you've got you've got one right yeah, now a couple you? of
0: HomePod mini here yeah. um, well these are the boxes they're in the other room now
1: <laughs> so so those so those things what they have inside them and I'm I'm convinced the same thing is that it will detect the presence of the iPhone. As well as the person who's speaking, and so it's yeah. like a it's like a dual factor authentication that they've got because you've got the iPhone, and therefore that opens the door to a whole load of possibilities around ambient computing. Once you break that out of the speaker and you yeah. put it in your you know in your roof or wherever it needs to be for it to be ambient, and I can come into your house and because my iPhone's in my pocket and it know, and, and Apple knows the sound of my voice. All of a sudden, there is a shared computing ecosystem, authenticated yeah, and secure. Similar. Yeah,
0: when you set these um when you set Set these home pods up, right? It gives you the option to do you want anyone to be able to connect their phone to them? Do You want just people that are in your contacts or or just you in the same way that the that, that, um that's what am I looking for? Um, airdrop works right in terms of being able to send files that way. Um, but you know, what's really smart is the automation that that brings around that, right? So, like th- these these home pod minis that we can set up automation now that detect when my wife and I have both left the house. Because both of our iPhone will leave the Wi-Fi network and they will stop playing music and shut the lights off. But they know that because the phones have left, not because anyone's told the speaker to stop, but because it detects the phone has left the ecosystem. Now, obviously, Android and, and, and Google can do this as well. This is not an exclusive thing to um, to Apple. But because of the, the privacy approach that Apple is taking, I'm much trusting to let my whole home and know whether or not i'm in the house or not um through my iphone then i probably am through an android device possibly not from google right because you know i might have some hitachi or htc or lg phone running a a somewhat stock version of android maybe talking to my assistant the interoperability there is never going to be as seamless as you owning the ecosystem completely in the same way that this does so i think you yeah, know, there's some really interesting opportunities there and it allows you to do some really smart stuff when you begin to think about what is the way that the rest of our assistants orientate ourselves around our primary devices. And for many of us, our primary devices are still our phones. So I think that the phone um, from a device perspective, I think is still one of the most important and significant things for us to be thinking about in the world of voice, not in terms of just making voice work, but in terms of how that is the data control. It's the brain of, of how you interact with the rest. Of these things and then from a from a software perspective i think it's all about search not just apps because i think if if you get the search right and you get the the device you know brain right then you might have a much more powerful ecosystem than those two things separately
1: Hmm. so this concept of ecosystems Um, You're right in terms of Apple, you know, having the ecosystem, having the hardware, having the software, being able to kind of bring about a much more joined up, a much more smarter assistant that's proactive and that can respond to other senses, not just spoken uh, spoken words. Um, But you do need to trust Apple in order for that to happen. And, you know, Google has a, a very similar ecosystem with Android and Google Assistant and, you know, a whole load of different kind of pieces of software that all run Assistant and all run this kind of technology. But still, you need to trust Google for that, and same thing for Alexa. If you're gonna, um, if you're gonna, you know, transact or make payments on Alexa, things like that, then you need to trust Amazon. Um, And in the report, it's in forty percent of users say they're concerned about privacy when using voice apps. And so we'll wrap up shortly, and and, uh, appreciate that we need to finish at, at at the top of the hour almost. But. What do you think needs to be done from a privacy standpoint to give users confidence and give brands confidence to enable a more seamless or at least enable more voice commerce opportunities?
0: Yeah. To be honest, I'm not actually sure there's anything that needs to be done. (laughs) I think it's time. And the the reason I say that is because, yeah, you're absolutely right. So the stats tell us from, from our own report from barriers to use that a third of all users uh, say that privacy concerns right now prevent them from using voice activated tech in the future. Okay, that's fine. But when you ask them, will they use voice the same amount or more in the next twelve months? Ninety percent of them say that they will. <laughs> so the real cognitive dissonance between you know what people say, oh, I'm worried, I'm concerned, I, I'm worried about this privacy, and what they actually do. Um, yeah, you know, we are all come back to the discussion about the phone, right? We're all carrying around phones with us, whether or not they're listening or not. Some of us might have turned Siri off. Some of us might have um, you know, kind of t- you know ignored that stuff, but. Actually, for most of us, we are going to keep using these things regardless of what voice says. So um, I think we have to live with the the fact that that's that's our reality. People say that they're worried about trust and privacy, but when it comes down to what do they do? Well, they just keep using it. And that's that's the way it's going to go.
1: Wicked. Appreciate it. Well... JP, this has been absolutely amazing. I'll put the link on screen now to the Voice Commerce Report. I'll obviously stick it in the show notes uh, if people want to go ahead and download that. But aside from the Voice Commerce Report, where can people find out a bit more about yourself and where can people find out a bit more about Vixen Labs?
0: Yes, I mean, you can grab me on pretty much any uh, social media. I'm just at James Potter on pretty much any channel that you would see, uh, uh, primarily LinkedIn or Twitter. Always love to connect with people there. So if you're watching there, then feel free to uh, jump in and have a chat. Uh, and for Vixen, yeah, you've got the URL on the screen right now if you're watching on YouTube or LinkedIn. Uh, but for those at home, it's vixenlabs.co and you can find the link to the voice commerce report there. You can download the executive summary, which we make available for free. Um, and if anyone wants to get in touch, Uh, more information about it they can email vcr at vixonlads.co and we'll uh, we'll get you in touch
1: fantastic wicked well thank you very much for joining us Uh, thank you for tuning in as always boys and girls and you remember if you do want to become a conversation designer do check out the conversation design institute as well we'll be back next week uh, with I believe next week is who's next week let me tell you I won't let you go without telling you who's next week who is Spokestack. There you go. Spokestack, voice enabling mobile apps with Spokestack. We'll be next week on Wednesday, so do tune in for that one. Uh, As always, boys and girls, thank you all for listening, and until next time, see you later.